comes from our listeners and from the Collins Center for the Arts, presenting a concert with 20-time Grammy winner Pat Metheny, as well as Antonio Sanchez, Linda O, oh, and Gwilym Simcock, Sunday, January 15th at 7 p.m., CollinsCenterForTheArts.com. Just a few seconds before 10 o'clock, and you are tuned to WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with your host, Ron Beard, is up next. Good morning, and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns began in 1993 with support from University of Maine Cooperative Extension. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Maine has long claimed the status as one of the oldest populations in the nation, and that trend will continue for years to come. How are Maine communities adapting? Can we make them more age-friendly? I'm glad to have some folks in the in the studio with us who can answer um, that question. Um, Patricia O oh is a, a consultant with AARP Maine. Um, uh, her specialty is livable and age-friendly communities. Welcome to you, Patricia. Thank you, Ron. And you drove down from Bodenham area. Great. Thank you for making the journey this morning. <laughs> also in the studio, um, welcome back to Joe Cooper, who is Executive Director of Friends in Action in Ellsworth. Welcome to you, Joe. Thank you, Ron. And Doreen Willett is here, and she is the Executive Director of Island Connections in Bar Harbor. Welcome, Doreen. Thank you, Ron. And on the phone, I think we have Patty Hamilton, who is with the City of Bangor Public Health and Community Service Department. Welcome to you, Patty. Thanks, Ron. I'll start with uh, Patricia O um, to get a little bit of background, and then we'll bring uh, Patty Hamilton back into the conversation. Uh, Patricia, Maine is one of those oldest states in the nation. What else can you tell us about the demographics and and how we describe ourselves as a state? Well, as you you're quite correct, Maine is one of the is the oldest state in the nation. Currently, we have more births, more deaths than we do births every year. Hmm. And that's a a trend that isn't expected to change in the near future. By 2030, the overall population of Maine will have actually decreased by 20%, but the older population will have increased by 78%. Hmm. So one of the ways that I like to put that a positive spin on that is one of the natural resources that's growing in each and every city and town, no matter how big it is, one of the natural resources that's growing right now is their older population. Um, And so that's why this is the perfect time to make age-friendly communities because we have a lot of older people who want to make changes in their communities. And so this effort really mobilizes them and gives them an excuse to get involved in their community to make changes that benefit people of all ages. Mm. And I suppose some of that older population are people who have, um, I guess you could call it, aged in place. (laughs) They were born and brought (laughs) up in that community and um, where maybe their families have left, they have stayed. Mm -hmm. Another part of that population of people who have chosen to come to Maine, um, perhaps for a job and then decided to retire, or they've vacationed here and decided to retire here. So that population is is a mixture of people. Absolutely. That's one of the very exciting parts about living in Maine is that we are a retirement destination. And it's not just the coastal communities that are retirement destinations. Um, Even places like Dover Foxcroft, one of our most recent additions to the network of age-friendly communities, is a retirement destination. So the the the, the mixture um, then of those two populations um, and the the uh, the people who are of working age must be interesting to have those conversations about what should this community look like in the future. It is. It's yeah. absolutely fascinating, yeah. and every community is a little bit different. So mm-hmm. the answer that they come up with very much depends on that community and on that conversation. Mm. So how did you start to get involved in AARP, and how did how did you kind of come to create this network? I understand it's part of a, a global effort yes. to make um, communities more age friendly. 
Uh, the AARP is the country affiliate of the World Health Organization Global Network of Age-Friendly Cities and Communities. That's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> and the way I personally got involved was Bodenham, Maine became the very first municipality in the state of Maine to join the WHO Global Network of Age-Friendly Cities and Communities. And then later on, we also joined the AARP Network of Age-Friendly Communities. And I started to work with AARP as a consultant and getting to meet and talk with all these great age-friendly leaders in the state of Maine. Um, AARP is very much supportive of the network of age-friendly communities because they recognize that the changes that are going to happen aren't going to be funded by the federal government. They aren't going to be funded by state government. Change has to be local, and it has to reflect what older adults, as well as you know, residents of all ages, would like to see in their community. So it's sort of a go-local type thing, mm-hmm. neighbor-helping neighbor. And and grassroots. Yes. Um, although coordinated, and that's what we'll learn from our other guests, um, is how that uh, that coordination really is helping to support them. Um, could you, uh, is there a definition of an age-friendly community that you use kind of a, a, as, a, as a working definition? There is. An age-friendly community is one that is safe and secure, one that has affordable and appropriate housing and transportation options, one that has a built environment that it's that is accessible, and that has community services and health services that are available to their residents. When, once all of those things are in place, then residents of all ages are able to participate as much as they want to in community, civic, and economic life. Hmm. Hmm. So it's... it's um it's not a narrow definition. It's a very broad <laughs> definition. It and is. it aspires to be, uh, for every community to be what it needs to be for every citizen. Absolutely. Mm. Community specific and for residents of all ages. Mm, great. Well, let's hear from, from uh, Patty Hamilton. Um, and Patty is again with the City of Bangor Public Health and Community Service Department. Uh, Patty, how did you get involved and how did Bangor get involved in this, this network? Hi. Um, yes. Well, I can tell you that um, AARP reached out to Bangor probably about two years ago and said, you know, we have this age-friendly network and we'd really have like to have you guys consider doing that. And they actually did a survey here and we received the results of that. And of course, we knew the demographics and we'd been sort of picking away at things on the edge of age-friendly all along. We've had a couple committees. And so really, when we, when we looked at the survey, when we looked at what we were doing, we decided it really is a good fit. This gives us a structure and a, and a way to take our work forward. So it was really, it was timing, it was demographics, it was all those things together that made us say, we want to leap on this awesome opportunity and we want to do something powerful in our community. And how does your um, department kind of fit into this? Um, not too many um, towns or cities in, in Maine have a public health um, department. Um, you're one of the, 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 the wonderful ones because that's a long tradition in public health. But tell us how that fits into this overall uh, age-friendly um, notion. Well, I think in general the, uh, the, um, the domains of the age-friendly network, which um, maybe Patricia or someone will speak to, but they really all fit into the health of all individuals. And, of course, public health is all about population health and health in general. So it really was a very natural fit for us. We know that if someone's to be healthy, they have to have good places where they can walk. They have to have good health care. They need to have transportation, and, and they need to have um, social interaction with people. All those things make for a healthier individual. So, again, it was sort of that infrastructure that really that really was a good fit and, um, and worked. Mm. And so you began this conversation a couple of years ago. Um, what's happened since, and what are some of the things, the initiatives that you've kind of worked on to make Bangor an even more age-friendly community? Well, we're really very early in our process. So what we're doing was we just um, we received a small grant from AARP that enabled us to help hold some focus groups around the community. So we picked um, intentionally some different populations of people that maybe we didn't hear from with the first AARP um, survey two years ago. So we sort of honed in on things and got a little deeper into the questions about what we wanted to hear from all of our consumers. So for instance, we had something at the Y and we've had something in different neighborhoods. And then 
We're also serving our, uh, surveying our Chamber of Commerce because we know that um, we need to look at businesses either from the employment angle or from if you want to go into that business. So we're going to take all that information. And today, actually, I have to leave a little early from this call, is our first actual meeting when we're going to, we've invited people to come and we're going to start digging into that data and then decide what do we um want to do. So as Patricia said, it really is local. And so I have some ideas of what I think would be great, but we really need to hear from the consumers and from people. What do you want to do? What do you, what do you want it, the first thing to do? What is there a strategic plan you want to take on? What what exactly do we want to do with, mm. with this data and with this plan? Do you remember any of the focus groups, anything that kind of intrigued you or, or uh, um, said, oh, that's an interesting thing that I'd like to follow up on? Any, any voices that you remember from those focus groups? Yes. Well, one of them that was interesting to me, so we're one of the few places that has a bus system, and so often transportation is referenced, and so I thought, you know, maybe we don't need to work on transportation because we actually have something. But then I, as I kept looking at all the responses from people and the information, what um, came out to me was one, one question we asked was, you know, what's what's a, um, an awesome idea you might have? Just throw, you know, best best case, best world idea that you might have given this topic. And someone said, maybe what we need instead of the bigger bus system is just a smaller bus that does like these regular rounds to common places so that it could be a little more frequent than the big bus. And I thought, hmm, that's an intriguing idea because everybody kept saying, well, you have to wait for 50 minutes to get to the bus. And if it's cold and it's winter, seniors aren't going to do that. But if they knew that the bus was coming every 10 minutes and it would take them just to the grocery store or just to Eastern Maine Medical or a few select places, then we might increase ridership and increase people's ability to get around and get to places they need to get to. Mm. So those voices from um, the folks who are, are experiencing aging in your community are really important to you. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And um, because you're a, a city department, I assume that that means that there's at least some access um, from for some of these ideas once you get your data kind of aligned uh, to city government. Yes, and our plan is also to involve, so we're involving community and economic development and planning and some of the other um, departments, so they're looped into our conversations, they're invited to all the meetings. We have uh, our uh, mayor of last year, Sean Faircloth, was very instrumental in bringing this work here, and he's been looking at the neighbor-to-neighbor and livable communities, so we aren't just focused on age-friendly only, we're we're really looking at the whole continuum, and it's really pretty exciting that we've got buy-in all the way from the city government, the counselors, through through the program managers, to staff, to consumers. It's, it's really great. And, and you mentioned um, reaching out to the business community. Um, are they uh, likely partners in, in some of this work? Boy, I really hope so. I know that um, some idea, an additional idea we heard was that maybe um, businesses would have like an age-friendly or livable communities designation. And so you know, they might have a sticker on their door or some sort of um, maybe they would offer more discounts. I don't know. So mm-hmm. some ideas like that. And absolutely, I think the chamber would be a great um, partner. Great. And again, uh, thinking that there may be communities, um, uh, people listening from communities that aren't part of this network, what would you say, uh, Patty Hamilton, to, to kind of encourage them to check this out? What your advice would be to those folks? You know, I think it's um, a really fun way to look at ideas and possibilities. And so, like Patricia said, I think that um, the aging demographics is a positive thing. I think people tend to think of it as a negative, but I can see so many positives with this. And I think it's it's a nice way for people to, to reframe the issue and look at what's possible. Mm. Great. Well, we'll let you go. We, we, we wish you well in your first um, uh, steering group uh, com- advisory committee meeting, and uh, perhaps we'll check back with you at some point and, and find out uh, where you are in the process. That sounds great. I would love it. Great. That was Patty Hamilton of the City of Bangor Public Health um, and Community Service Department, and she's part of, or, the, or Bangor is part of the Aging uh, in Place uh, excuse me, Age-Friendly Community Network. I'll, I'll get that right. So um, uh, Patricia O, oh, um, uh, consultant with AARP Maine, um, what, what else might you add to the Bangor story before we go to Ellsworth and Bar Harbor? <laughs> well, Bangor has been an amazing um, initiative in part. One of the things that has been a strength of that particular initiative is that they have partnered with 
the Maine Center on Aging, who has helped them with a lot of their focus groups and is actually helping them with their plan, mm. um, which is always exciting. So that's Len Kay and... and yeah, Len yeah. Kay and David Weary okay, have great. been the primary people who are great. involved with it. It's great. been great. Good. Well, let's go to, to Ellsworth. My um, good friend and colleague Joe Cooper is with us here, um, Director of Friends in Action in Ellsworth. And um, Joe, um, how did you start getting involved in this notion of age-friendly communities? I think um, we, we could say that all of your work is about this, <laughs> but um, in this particular case, the network, how did you get involved? Yes. Well, Ellsworth was, as a city, was approached by AARP after we had um, worked with the city and opened our um, community center that includes the senior center and that is really a regional effort for the whole county and I it was um, AARP approached the city to see whether there was an interest and there was an extreme interest because mm-hmm. while the city understood that this was uh, a unique effort and um, the fact that Friends in Action has been working in this field for about 14 years um, working on issues of trying to support older individuals and helping with various services they may need, um, that we needed to look at the whole community and um, other aspects of livability for all ages. So it's a great effort. I am excited about the fact that it involves a broader part of the community with the municipality as well. Hmm. And maybe listeners um, uh, didn't tune in all those years ago to hear (laughs) about um, Friends in Action. So maybe a thumbnail sketch of of what your program is all about and we see how these things tie together. Well, and it just will segue right with Doreen because I worked at Island Connections, which was also started with a similar... um, grant from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation to address the needs of older and um, disabled uh, adults in the community, primarily with one-on-one volunteer support. And our concern was with transportation. We saw that it really impacted people's independence, and that's what we started working on. Um, We received a grant in 2003 as a startup grant, and were mentored with the then director of Island Connections. So it's um, been an organization that's dear to my heart, and we work together very closely. Um, And really looking at um, not just one need, but the whole, um, really taking a holistic approach to what people um, need in terms of support, emotional support, uh, community support, transportation, health care, housing and trying to connect them with those resources. So we have, we started in 2003 and we now have almost 200 volunteers throughout the community. About a hundred of, more than a hundred of those are volunteer drivers. And um, it's a, and then we were able to start some social programs and now have, uh, with the support of the city, um, providing the space, we provide programming um a senior fitness center, um, meals, um, arts programs, and social programs. And I was just in the building um, the other day, the y, the Downeast YMCA has a facility there. So there's a real sense that this is a whole community using this facility. Yeah, little children, babies, um, people of all ages. It's not just something where the old people go. It's a real community <laughs> right. center. Right. <laughs> And, and uh, again, back to Patricia, oh, this notion of, of rural communities struggling with transportation must be a common theme that you, you see throughout the state. Oh, it certainly is. Mm. Um, and some of our communities have started, thank, actually with getting a little bit of help and encouragement from Joe, um, have started some transportation initiatives. For example, Bethel, which is quite a rural area. They have a regional approach that includes little tiny Gilead with population 200, um, just a very rural area. And what they did is they did their needs assessment. They realized they heard from the community that a major need was transportation. And they have started a transportation initiative all within a year or so of joining the network. Mm. It's, It's amazing how quickly older adults who are organizing. In in the case of Bethel, it isn't organized by a municipality. It's organized by a grassroots group of older adults who read a book and Mm. got excited and decided to make change in their community. It can Mm -hmm. start that simply. Mm. Um, And how quickly they can move forward because you 
you know, you tap into that passion and that excitement about making change, and it, it really works. Mm. Mm. And so um, uh, Patty Hamilton referenced um, kind of doing some survey work, some focus groups. Is that how all communities start, to kind of get a sense of, of what their needs are and then build from there? Yes. Um, what we recommend is an age-friendly assessment that includes two aspects. It includes a survey of, so you're looking to find out the needs, but you also want to find out the strengths of the community because what an age-friendly initiative is going to do is going to build on those strengths that already exist. That's one of the reasons that every initiative is a little bit different. So, mm-hmm. for example, Ellsworth is a great example, and Bar Harbor is a great example because they already have some amazing age-friendly features. And as they start to work on their age-friendly initiative, they're going to be able to build on those and expand those to meet more needs in the Mm -hmm. community. Mm -hmm. So, Joe, what was it like to go through this process? What did you learn new that you might not have learned if you hadn't kind of gone through these focus groups? Well, we're in the process, actually, of doing some of that. We're doing it. We're kind of going from this from the inside out. We Uh have a lot of things in place, but there are a lot of other aspects that I think the community as a whole has not um, engaged with in terms of housing and walkability. And I think having the survey and those focus groups will help us to engage people that maybe haven't been. Um, I think while I'm proud of Friends in Action and I think we've accomplished a lot, we are a nonprofit and often people don't encounter us unless they're having a particular need and uh, and don't no matter how much we all work on marketing, don't know you exist. I think having it as part of the broader community, having it as something that's part of the um, daily uh, conversation involving the business community, involving the municipalities, involving people of all ages is going to be very exciting to see happening. Because it seems seems like um, people need the services when they need them, and they yes. don't think about them until yes. they need them. Yes. So um, you're being part of a larger conversation to get everybody to say, oh, I might need those things in the future. I better start working to, to help our city or our town be ready. And it's not that specialized either. It's not that complex. When I listen to um, Bangor talking, Patty talking about um, transportation, my husband actually works with the the bus network up there. And I do know that there's a very uh, robust and ongoing conversation about the needs of the elderly, and they have a great system in place. And yet, I think, and I we get a lot of requests from Bangor for more information about one-on-one volunteer support with transportation. This, this initiative, I think, gives us an opportunity to share some of the ideas, resources, the things that are happening in different communities, and then apply them to the unique situation that's in each locality. Mm. So, that, again, the, the strength of a, of a template if you will, yes. and then the application of those local local right. needs. And so having a, an organization that's um, nationally recognized like AARP and well-known gives a wonderful foundation for those conversations. Mm. Well, let's go to um, Doreen Willett and, and uh, her work in Bar Harbor with Island Connections and um, tell us a little bit about how you've, you, first, maybe a thumbnail sketch of your organization, similar to, to Joe's, I assume, and um, uh, how you began to hear about the, um, the AARP network. Sure. So Joe touched on the fact that we started with a grant, a $25,000 grant, and that was 20 years ago. Mm. So we'll be celebrating our 20th year this year. And it started with the housing, Ellsworth and MDI housing authorities, and the local churches recognizing the fact that people had transportation issues. Mm. And again, as as, um, was mentioned earlier, that has been one of the top priorities for a lot of people for a long time. So uh, Michael Reisman, who is now with the Beth C. Wright Center, was the first director there, and Joe Cooper sat alongside him for a while <laughs> um, and set this whole organization in motion. And basically we are meeting the needs of and low-income uh, seniors and people with disabilities who don't have family living in the area any longer, don't have access to public transportation. Um, and MDI is a little bit different in that public transportation really is very limited. Uh, and I'm, as it is in a lot of parts of Maine, but MDI is a very, very um, set alone uh, island, and obviously. Um, so the organization 
consists of over 100 volunteers, probably 60 of, of which are active drivers right now. Um, and we serve the island and then some of the outer islands as well. Um, so basically you're linking people who need to get to a doctor's appointment yes. or to um, um, shop, I suppose. Yeah. Um, uh, anything that they need, kind of simple transportation, you're linking them up with volunteer drivers. Yes. Okay. Yes. And we also are the wheels for the Meals on Wheels program for MDI. Hmm. So we're delivering meals three days a week mm -hmm. across the island. Mm -hmm. So when did the conversation with AARP Maine start for you? Well, that started probably, so I've been there since July of 2015. And the conversation had started a little bit before I came on board. Um, Bonnie Lundquist, who is a resident of Bar Harbor and a senior citizen herself, um, started the conversation and got it really off the ground with Lori Parham um, in starting a, a walkability uh, assessment test. And from there, she got really, really involved with the town council and speaking to the council and getting things off the ground. So uh, currently, we, we organized in August of 2016 as a uh, task force on aging for Bar Harbor. And I have uh, stepped up as the chair. Um, we have seven committee members. And I'm happy to say that Cornell Knight, our town manager, has attended every one of our meetings. And he's supportive of it. Um, and we are actually in the process of completing our application to uh, for age-friendly status. So mm. hopefully uh, that will be on the town council agenda on February 7th and hopefully be approved. Uh, and we go from there. So Great. I'm pretty excited for what, what's coming. Great. So, um, again, uh, Doreen Cooper, uh, Doreen Willett from... from <laughs> yeah, we're uh, interchanging. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Bar Harbor. We support each other. <laughs> Joe Cooper from Ellsworth and... Um, uh, Patricia O oh from AARP Maine, um, down in the southern part of the state where she's based. Um, we're all talking about making age-friendly communities here on Talk of the Towns. If you'd like to participate, um, we'll open up our phone lines in, in a few minutes and, and invite your calls. Perhaps you've got um, a community where you'd like to see more activity for um, folks who are older. Uh, perhaps you're um, an elder yourself and would like to know more about how these programs work. So uh, please do give us a call, one 866-625-9378 and you can speak with us and, and our conversation about making age-friendly communities in Maine. Uh, back to Patricia O. Oh, um, so you've, we've heard three stories um, of different communities. Um, transportation is certainly a theme. Um, in the other communities that you're working with, I think you said 26 or 27 now? 27? 26 as of today. 26, great. <laughs> and Gilead was the, the last one. So yes. <laughs> little town, but um, a mighty town, it sounds like. Yes. What are some of the other issues that, that kind of are sparked besides transportation that people are concerned about? One of the issues that tends to rise to the top in every community that is surveyed is communication and information. Um, as you pointed out, people don't look for information until they need it. And then what tends to happen is they go to their town or they, they look at some place where they've gotten information in the past, but it may not actually be the right place to get connected up to aging services. And then the other piece of the communication need is that once your children are out of high school, out of yeah, out of high school, you don't get all those local little school newspapers that tell you, oh, there's going to be a square dance at such and such a time, or there's going to be this happening or that happening. Um, and so, older folks oftentimes tell us that they don't know even the activities that are happening in their own community. So a lot of times, one of the needs that rises to the top is communication. Mm -hmm. And different communities are meeting that in different ways. Age-Friendly Augusta has started a Facebook page where they share great information. Um, Age-Friendly Cumberland has a wonderful online resource guide, that is, a, and they also have a printed version of the same guide. Um, Age-Friendly Bodenham has a, week, a monthly activity and resource calendar that it sends out, and then it also sends out little weekly emails, This Week in Bodenham type things. Age-Friendly Ellsworth has a fabulous newsletter that, F F that Friends in Action puts out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's a great point, too, about the communication. People really are looking for that. But usually with older, uh, the most people I know prefer printed material. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So communication, are there other themes that, um, again, communities are, are working towards? Um, so I actually work in the town of Bodenham, and so I can talk to that initiative sure. probably more 
than any of the other initiatives in town. Um, one of the issues in Bodenham was that older adults could no longer attend townwide activities. They weren't accessible. Things like there's something called um, Celebrate Bodenham that happens every fall. And it used to be that people of all ages were going. But over the years, they hadn't added little simple things that could make the event much more accessible. Things like a drop-off area. In the past, the handicapped parking had been across a road, so you had to walk, I don't know, about 900 feet in order to get to the event. That's too long for some people. Mm -hmm. So now we have a drop-off area. They've added some little foldable chairs that they put out in the middle. And I've noticed that you get people of all ages who sit down in those chairs and enjoy them. So some of the changes that are identified can be very community-specific. And as you notice, a drop-off area doesn't cost anything. Adding chairs in the middle of an event doesn't cost anything. Most of the changes that are identified tend to be low-cost and no-cost. And and the result of people saying, hmm, I wonder what's needed here, (laughs) rather than to assume that it's worked fine in the past, it'll work fine in the future. It's just asking those questions and perhaps asking elders what their experience is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's so much fun to watch the activities. Now, a couple years ago, we had um, at the age-friendly table in Bodenham, so we had a tent, so we had bingo and we had all kinds of activities during Celebrate Bodenham. But one of the activities was a fortune teller who was actually trying to raise awareness of our health fair that was coming up the following week. Um, I still get people telling me that they'd like the name of that fortune teller because she hit everything right spot on. (laughs) (laughs) And we have these great pictures of you know, little children going up to the fortune teller. There were older people who used it too, but it was really people of all ages. And we had little children who were playing bingo with everybody. So it ends up when you, when you make an event, when you make a place accessible to everybody, when you meet the needs of the five-year-old and you meet the needs of the 105-year-old, you're actually meeting the needs of everybody in between. Mm. And that's what age-friendly communities are trying to do. Mm. And then the cross-engagement. Between those populations, right. Um, 1-866-625-9378 or 469-0500 as we talk about making age-friendly communities in Maine. So um, I think um, we've seen the change probably most significantly in the last 50 years as society has changed and people don't necessarily live um, with their families any longer. So that that change... We're, we're slow to come to grips with that kind of change. Is that how you all see it as mm-hmm. well? So people um, who in 50 years ago might have um, had their elders living um, at the family farm or in the family house and they had an apartment or, or a, a bedroom and they, they took their meals with their families, that no longer exists so much. Right. I think when my my father was in World War II and when he came out of the war, he was an only child. He had to care for his mother and his grandmother. There was no other choice. There was nothing else for them. Mm -hmm. And now I think there are other choices. I think families are scattered. And we find that a lot of, I encounter a lot of very independent people who want to continue to manage for themselves. But we all need support of one another. And so the more that the community is aware of and invites people together, the healthier we'll all be. Hmm. And it seems like um, there's, it's never too early to start thinking about these things. But exactly. it's probably one of those denial things that is part of human nature. Oh, I don't really want to think about how I'm going to be when I right. am aged. Um, so mm-hmm. how, do we, how do we have those kind of conversations? Is, is the, the, uh, the uh, um, age-friendly communities encouraging those kinds of conversations? You must be if you're talking with town council members who I aren't necessarily are, are not elder themselves, but they have to be thinking about it. Right, that. and I think the positive approach, looking at this as an asset to the community, but is one way of, of approaching it. I think also AARP has been looking at the livability aspect, not just making it a specialized, this is for the old. It's for everyone. Benefits everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it does. I mean, I've always felt that the work that we do is involves everybody in the community. Um, 
and the entire family, the entire, um, a lot of different services. And this is true for this kind of thing. I think the less specialized we try to make it, the better. So, um, uh, uh, Patricia, when you talked about the, the breadth of an uh, age-friendly community, you talked about housing and health care and transportation and social connections. Those are things we all need. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. the more welcoming our communities are, to people of all ages. One of the things we really try to stress is age-friendly communities are not retirement communities. They're not places just for old people. Mm -hmm. They are places that are better places to live for people of all ages. Mm. Um, So, for example, one community made some changes by adding some heated stair treads to there's a historic building where the library is located, the front entrance is has some stairs on the outside the way the rain fell especially during our icy season those stairs were absolutely treacherous adding those heated stair treads was part of the age-friendly initiative in that community but it benefits everybody who actually uses the stairs and libraries are not just used by old people sure sure 1-800-1866-625-9378 we have a phone call from david in brooklyn um, David, we have a problem with the phone line, so if you'd ask your question very quickly and then go offline, um, we'll try to get um, it answered. Or maybe you have a comment, but please go ahead quickly. Oh, gee. Uh, well, I'll try. Um, small communities, uh, uh, the caring for uh, elders needs a large infrastructure. Um, uh, in the old days, I think the communities used to rise to that challenge with uh, community houses, uh, which would be, uh, you know, existing structures, which would be uh, rededicated uh, to the care of elders who uh, weren't able to make it on their own and perhaps didn't have the, say, $100,000 a month uh, uh, entry fee, which is required for a lot of these places. Whatever happened to that? Where where does that go? How hard is it to get that kind of a system back again? Uh, in a small community, uh, it's you know we fantasize about building a, 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 a an elder house conjoint with the uh, with the school, uh, the local school, uh, being as how those are the two age sensitive groups, the kids and the, and the elders, uh, and uh, sort of letting them co coexist Okay, well, David, you've raised a a good um, question. We can have some conversation about it. So thank you very much for your call. This notion that communities um, in the past probably had figured out some very um, appropriate um, supports for people who were were aged. Um, And some of that was um, a boarding house type facility where people were able to kind of take care of themselves um, for the most part, um, pretty low cost. But now we've got lots of regulations that probably prevent that sort of thing from from happening easily. What's your sense? Well, countries like the Netherlands currently have in place college students and seniors living together cohesively um, to support the fact that their economics are, you know, limited so that they're able to share in that expense, but also share in the experience of each other's lives and keeping each other company. One thing that we have here in Maine, obviously, is um, isolation. And I think it's really important to start thinking about this type of house sharing. Hmm. Um, I was at a, a seminar not too long ago and sitting next to a woman that wrote a book about house sharing, where seniors come together and help each other with expenses, uh, the issue of isolation, having companionship, having support. Um, I think it's really, really important that we start looking in that direction to bring people together. So that doesn't involve any government assistance. Right, right. just exactly. an individual saying, I've exactly. got a big house. Yes. Um, I'd like to have someone come and live with me. Yes. And I think of the, the, you know, the, the wonderful work of Maine Farmland Trust and others who are saying, oh, you're an older, older farm couple. Um, would you like to have an intern mm-hmm. or someone um, – Think about the future of this farm. So this notion that many, many houses are big enough to accommodate more than one person. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So great, great. 
What else? Yeah, and that's The Winter House by Joan McCracken. It's a uh-huh. grand she, Joan lives in the, on the Blue Hill Peninsula. Mm-hmm. It's a great book. Um, I think looking for personal solutions, looking for simple, low-cost solutions as well for ways people can be together and be active together, the school and the um, older community often can have joint activities, walking activities, that kind of thing. That's a, that's a start, and it's not a huge infrastructure um, investment. And I do think we all as communities and as a, as um, municipalities need to think about the health care access of our um, residents. And um, just because you're older doesn't mean that you're in poor health, but you do have there are many needs that are associated with um, an aging population that need to be considered, and health care is certainly one of them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and transportation to health care, um, affordability of health care. Right. Um, so that goes to that information piece um, that you were speaking of. Right. Where do people get good information about how they can get access to that, that kind of system, that health care? It absolutely does, and I'm get, but I'm going to take one step okay, back sure, to the sure, housing please, thing please. because one of the things that a lot of our age-friendly communities are starting is some sort of chore service, hmm. and a lot of those are actually partnering with high schools so that students who are trying to get some community service time right. or trying to, you know, for whatever reason they're fulfilling that need, um, they're matched up with older adults and they help with shoveling or they help with raking, and that's great. We also have older... Um, so, for example, in Bodenham again, we had the Masons who were interested in making a difference in the community. They called me one day and said, can you use a bunch of older guys? And we have a few young guys, too, they said, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> who would like to do something in the community. And we knew that there was a need for help with just really simple home chores, right. things like changing a light bulb, pulling you know a quilt out from a high closet, doing any of those things that it's sort of hard to to hire somebody to do that. Um, And then the other thing that we knew was needed was somebody to oversee work. We'd had um, an incident in a neighboring town where an individual needed a ramp at her home. And she had gone to a box store and she had, you know, gotten matched up with somebody who was going to do it. Well, $30,000 later, she didn't have a usable ramp. And the Masons had heard about that. So one of their the parts of the Handy Brigade program is that they oversee work. If you have a problem, they'll recommend somebody who's vetted, and then they will actually make sure that the project is done in the way that it was supposed to be done. So it's protecting people from financial fraud. Um, that whole program costs the municipality nothing. The Masons do what they do. Um, residents are expected to supply the items that are needed if they can, if they can't. The Masons have done some fundraisers, in all fairness. Mm. But it's still a low-cost, no-cost solution. Most of the time, the work that they do does not cost a lot of money. Mm. And it um, gives um, the elder resident a sense, oh, I can make it on my own um, with a little bit of help. It doesn't need to be fancy help. It doesn't need to be Mm -hmm. high-cost help. It's just that little bit of assistance. And that assistance is coming from a neighbor. It's not coming from this large organization mm-hmm. that's from the state because, you know, if you have the state come into your house, they might just take you out of your house and stick right. you in a nursing home. Right. Yeah, so there's a fear of that. Having yeah. that neighbor-helping-neighbor approach, and that's what we see throughout all of our age-friendly communities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so um, what sparks the conversation? Is it the survey? Is it the designation? What, uh, what, what begins these conversations where the Masons know that there's a coordinator to call and, and, and they get in touch? I think that a lot of times what happens is that when you have that age, Joe referenced this a little while ago. She said that when you have that age-friendly designation, it is tied to the municipality. It becomes a part of the way municipal planning is done. They're including an aging lens in all their work. Word gets out in the community. So you have a group that's saying, we would like to do a ser- we would like a service opportunity. Oh, we heard that there's an age-friendly initiative. Let's do it. It's part of because it is such a large umbrella, people can imagine ways of fitting in. One of the really neat things that happens in the age-friendly communities is that you end up getting connections between the different different municipal departments like recreation and planning and all of that, but also with the local organizations. Sometimes these organizations have never really worked well together 
or had the opportunity to work together. But with the age-friendly designation, all of a sudden the Mary Meeting Arts Center says, oh yeah, we can work with the recreation department to offer this opportunity for people of all ages. And it sort of comes under the aging umbrella because aging becomes an excuse hmm. to collaborate. Right, hmm. right. Um, we have another phone call. Um, that person called one 625 9378 Welcome to Kai from Phippsburg. And again, because we've got some phone difficulties, Kai, if you'd make your comment or ask your question briefly and then take your, your answer offline. I will try, but when you're, when you're older, you know, you always <laughs> take a deep breath because you've experienced so much in life and there's so many ways. Listen, um... I'm 74 myself, but, you know, life isn't over when you turn 65 or anything right. like that. You keep on going. I can still swing a hammer. I can do anything. What I want to say is, and then I'll be brief, um, you know, <clears throat> I've been living in Maine for over 40 years now, and I've, I used to live in Kennebunkport and, 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 and go to uh, Portland a lot. And the biggest change, the biggest change that was brought about <clears throat> in, 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 in Portland was number one, the airport, which came through People Express. Number two, the, the new art school <coughs> on Congress, and, and that they brought gays in. They are all very, very creative people. Now, if you got Mafka in that also, you'd have something really working. <laughs> so your, your notion that, that um, demographic... You've got to get the creative people. Right, right. I mean, just because, you know... <laughs> The artists, the arts have to be promoted, and wherever they are, they do well. Great. Kai, thanks so much for your, for your call and for your life experience. Uh, Kai from Phippsburg and uh, um, 1-866-625-9378. Where do the arts fit into um, age-friendly communities? Um, I assume that um, there's an artist um, presence in all of our communities. is there any specific um, connection to the arts? There is. In uh, social participation, um, a lot of times older adults want to become involved in the arts. We have some great creative arts programming in the state of Maine that's available to communities once they learn about it. Um, one of the most one of the examples that I like to give about a fabulous arts program in the in the city of Ellsworth is music lessons that involves people of all ages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Joe, that yeah, sounds like our, a cue. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely happening at our center and at the Ellsworth Community um, uh, Music Institute. It's a wonderful another nonprofit. I was going to point out that there are mi- often, as the caller was saying, many organizations and groups that exist that um, are resources to this effort. And it doesn't matter what the concern is that sparks the engagement. Mm. Um, One thing that on a more practical note in terms of just the daily existence, um, we saw a lot of interest sparked by the ice storm a few years ago where people were then became more concerned about people's isolation. And that was a great... um, concerning event that engaged a lot of people in a conversation of trying to see how could we help people to manage in their homes and stay safe. Um, There's lots of networks that can be set up utilizing groups that already exist, the local fire department or the local um, police department. So those things have happened. And I think the same goes for things that are a little more maybe not seen to be essential. Um, for example, music or dance or artistic expression that can actually enhance people's health, um, improve how people respond. And, um, and that's another group that could be really engaged in a, in a community-wide effort for all ages. So I think it's, it, I agree with the caller. I think involve, being creative about how you respond um, to your local situation is really crucial. Great. We'll take another call from Cy in Brooklyn. Go ahead with your question or comment. Um, but because we're having some phone difficulties, um, if you can make it brief, that would be great. Sure. Uh, the local fire departments are a very important part of this conversation because they provide services to everybody in town, not just fire. And also having the local department, having first responder capability is important. Mm. Some departments do, some departments don't. Those that do have uh, offer a whole nother level of service to everybody in town, including the elderly community. So 
I would uh, suggest that you sort of add that to the mix. Thank Great. You. Thanks so much, Cy, for, for calling with that suggestion. And, and I, I assume that all of these community-level conversations are open, and, and so people can bring in the resources that they find in those communities, including uh, fire departments or police departments. They absolutely can. And Age-Friendly Cumberland has a wonderful program where they work with their fire department and EMS. They actually do home safety checks for any resident who requests it. And they'll make recommendations for changes. They have a a chore program that will actually come in after those changes are recommended. They have a chore core that will come in and actually make the changes for residents. So it ends up involving the fire department, the local volunteers, the school, a couple of churches. Again, it's that... You know, getting everybody in the community involved. Mm. On MDI, we recently, uh, in the past six months, the police department and fire department have started making phone calls to our seniors just to do check-ins. And just recently, as in probably November, one of our community members actually brought about an initiative to get fire, uh, pardon me, smoke detectors in people's homes who didn't have them after a family had uh, some tragedy hit. And um, this particular citizen did quite a job in raising the funds, having uh, McCatchen and uh, the hardware store in Southwest Harbor was the, they collected the donations. And then the fire department goes out and installs the smoke detectors at no charge to Mm. people who need them. Great. Ellen Connections, we were talking to our neighbors as they were calling in for rides and just touching base to make sure that they had working Mm. fire uh, smoke detectors. Pardon Mm -hmm. me. Um, Luckily, everyone that we had asked, everybody but one needed them. So Mm. we were pretty happy with those results that people are uh, connected that way. Mm. But it's good to know that the local municipalities and the the fire departments and police departments are getting involved. Mm -hmm. You're tuned to Talk of the Towns. We have a few more minutes if you'd like to make a phone call at 1-866-625-9378. We're talking with Patricia O of AARP Maine, Joe Cooper of Friends in Action in Ellsworth, and Doreen Willett of Island Connections in Bar Harbor. Um, Patricia, you said that um, often these communities are building on their assets, but what um, the designation and the process causes is kind of a coordination and kind of a bringing together of the conversation. It does on multiple levels. One of the initiatives that I'd really like to talk about today, because I think it's so exciting, um, Belfast has is one of our age-friendly communities. But the way they're approaching it is a county-wide initiative, Aging Well in Waldo County. And Mm. they are going to all 32, I think it was 32, if it's not, somebody forgive me, (laughs) um, all 32 communities that are part of Waldo County. So even very tiny communities can become involved in these initiatives. So not only are they making these wonderful connections within a community, many of our initiatives are also making connections to communities that are outside. Ellsworth is another example because Ellsworth is a resource center. And so other other communities are used to coming into Ellsworth right. and will benefit from that. Right, and they can access, they come and access some of the resources we're trying to make available countywide. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, and there's efforts all around the county, not only Bar Harbor, but the Blue Hill Peninsula that are really looking at trying to improve the age friendliness. There's been some great programs in place. They're also missing aspects, so it's a wonderful way for us to um look at the whole situation and share what's happening in different communities. And it sounds like there's a, uh, uh, it's methodical in some, in some ways so that you don't forget something um, and, 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 and miss that. So maybe you could describe the process if a community, uh, somebody was listening in a community that's not part of your network now, what's the process that they'd use and, and, and kind of guide us through that, if you would, Patricia. Well, if you would like to join the network, the first step is to contact me so I get to be excited and go, yay, yay, yay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We welcome new members all the time. Um, The first step really is to form that core team, a group of people that are excited about the initiative and are, are dedicated to making changes in their community. After the core team is gathered, the next step is this age-friendly assessment that includes looking at the strengths and identifying the needs. The age-friendly assessment, there's no one assessment fits all, unfortunately. Um, Each community designs their own assessment with a lot of help and technical support from AARP. After they do the assessment, then they create their plan. You know, 
you've identified the strengths, you've identified the needs, what do you want to do? And again, they get a lot of technical support from us on that. After that, it's time to go ahead and get it started. Um, And you know, it's it's amazing the differences in the different communities and how they get it started. Augusta is doing something that I think Ellsworth may pick up on. Um, at least I've seen some interest from yes, Ellsworth, yes. and I'm hoping Bar Harbor <laughs> picks up on this one. Um, they have a sticker campaign that, you know, when they were trying to get word out in Augusta about the age-friendly initiative, they were, you know, how do we communicate this? So they des- they designed these great stickers, and AARP paid to have them printed, and we're happy to do that. And they put them in age-friendly businesses. They put them in little tiddly spots, and then they put a Facebook post that says, you know, age-friendly sticker found at Togus or found wherever. Um, It just raises that general level of awareness. And that's one of those things that happens at the very beginning of implementation because you you can create a great mousetrap, but if nobody knows it exists, nobody's going to come. So that's one of the first things that the communities do. But then they really just start, you know, they might design a call program. They might work with a food pantry. They might work with a library. It can be a variety of of different things, whatever the needs were that were identified in that community. And when does the designation um, come? Um, So when when (laughs) sounds like there's a process, and and somewhere there's a designation. Oh, you're an age-friendly community AARP network. After they contact me, Mm -hmm. um, I will send them a copy of the application. It's not very difficult. There are about three substantive questions. We do ask questions like you know name, rank, serial number type Mm -hmm. questions. Um, and they bring that application, the core group brings that application to the select board because one of the key pieces to this whole program is buy-in by the municipality. So at the very least, the chair of the select board will sign the application and write a letter of commitment. Mm -hmm. After I get that from them, I send that off to national, and lately, within a very short period of time, we've been getting approval, but it can take up to two weeks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, It's a very simple process to apply, and um, we offer all the support that we can, but it is very simple, and there is absolutely no cost for applying. It is free to communities. And (laughs) it sounds like when you're going to um, council or select select board, um, you're able to say to them, there's no real cost to the city up front. Um, if you decide to get involved and want to improve your sidewalks, that's great. But it's there's no um, artificial <laughs> kind of upfront cost, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Right. Um, it seems like that um, this is a worldwide effort. Um, yes. um, if people know that a community is age friendly, they might be more likely mm-hmm. to visit it. Is that mm-hmm. is that the case? Are we seeing that either realtors or tourism officials are looking at these saying, oh, there's there's some money to be made in, in this process? Is there an economic aspect as well? Oh, there definitely is. Um, one of the things that Eastport is one of our age-friendly communities, and that is one of the reasons that they joined. It was part of their economic development. Um, the city of, well, town of Yarmouth in Massachusetts joined specifically because they wanted to attract aging tourists. They Mm -hmm. wanted to say, we're age-friendly. You can come here and you're going to have a good experience. And as a family member who at one point had a child who was in a wheelchair, I know that you really do plan your trips around wheelchair accessibility. So it's a great designation to have. Mm. And it seems like that that all of the communities that are represented here and the others that Patricia has mentioned, um, that does require um, some municipal thinking and planning Mm -hmm. so that um, those municipal um, facilities that are available now are, are, are are tweaked and mm-hmm. and made more accessible for everyone, but uh, especially for age age kind of in the age friendly community notion. And I know that um, having lived there, the sidewalks in Bar Harbor are pretty narrow and they're not always uh, up to date. So that must be part well, of the, the effort is. there. It is because of obviously weather related conditions. There are sidewalks, as we talked about earlier, in front of the school, in front of COA, mm-hmm. that are, uh, you know, crumbling. And that is not walkable for a lot of people. And we, um, you know, we also have the influx of quite a few tourists. So we are sharing our resources with quite a lot of people. Uh, the 5,269 year-round residents of Bar Harbor um, have to deal with this every day, and as we have our influx of uh, visitors, we we have to work with the infrastructure we have, but 
try to stay ahead of it too. Right. So as we as we begin to think about wrapping up, maybe each of you could could uh, um, share your hopes for the future as as we go. Um, Doreen uh, Willett from from uh, Island Connections, uh, what's what's your hope for this whole movement? I hope that we can engage uh, a good part of the community to be able to understand the need to make sure that we're age friendly because it will help to keep people in place too, um, economically and whatnot. So we're hoping that we can um, move forward in that in that way so that people can stay on the island. Very quickly, Joe, your hope? Oh, that we get as many different groups and people involved as possible, all ages. Great. And finally, Patricia? I'm with Joe. I want every community in Maine to be age-friendly so that older adults and people of all ages can live happily, safely, and securely. Great. Well, we've come to the end of the hour. Be sure and join us from 10 to 11 on the second Friday of each month for Talk of the Towns. Podcasts are our programs that can be found in the archive section of our website at WERU. If you have comments or suggestions for topics, please email us at news at weru.org. And tune in to our companion program, Coastal Conversations, with Natalie Springle of UMaine Sea Grant from 10 to 11 on the fourth Friday of each month. Our theme music is a medley from Coronac on a Balnane House Highland music recording. Thanks again to our uh, guests here in the studio, Patricia O oh of AARP Maine, Joe Cooper of Friends in Action in Ellsworth, Doreen Willett of Island Connections in Bar Harbor, and we talked with Patty, Patty Hamilton of the city of Bangor. Thanks to those who listened and called in. Thanks to our underwriters. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program, and stay tuned for On the Wing. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. Support for WERU comes from our listeners.